0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello world and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for The Upcoming's eighth episode, oh boy, uh, joy. This, this guy is straight out of Brooklyn, New York. He is an alum of New York University and an accomplished actor appearing in the films See You Yesterday, which you can find on Netflix, and with so a Little Tenderness, which you can find on YouTube. He is artistic, charismatic, and an all-around talented guy. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dante Charles Crickshlow. How's it going, Dante? It's going
1: well. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me. That was a great introduction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. So, one thing, Dante, that I love to do with all my guests is allow them to introduce themselves in a way. So, Dante, for the people who don't know in your own of course besides my introduction for the people who don't know in your own words who and what exactly are you
1: i am a multi-hyphenate artist i try to go to any disciplinary that uh kind of feeds whatever i'm trying to create which lands myself usually in photography writing acting those are the main things in which i'm finding myself in i've been doing photography since i was 12 my mom's a photographer but you know it's not necessarily her fault that i became a photographer um also been writing poetry i'm working on a screenplay now um but acting is where my heart lies
0: acting is where your heart lies huh yeah i love that i love it i love it i love it so uh now let's move on to these questions so yeah, you know, Dante, let's just I want to move on to like just your your background in the arts. So, at what age did you fully believe that, you know, performing arts was your destiny?
1: Fully believe that performing arts was my destiny. Hmm. I think I believed it a few times in my life. I think the first time I started to believe that I wanted to do it was when I was 12 in middle school. I went to MS 51, which is in Park Slope. And you have to take up a um, like an artistic discipline while you're there, and they had visual arts, dancing, singing, chorus, band, acting. And I had started in photography my first year, and after a first year of photography, feeling like it was really slow and kind of not getting much out of it for myself, I decided to transfer into acting when I was 12 years old. And so I started acting, and for the first two years, I actually was getting a lot of negative feedback or at least I felt that in hindsight that people didn't really think that I was really good slash were confused as to why they thought I could just jump into this and do it but I just was really enjoying myself so I kept doing it but it wasn't until second year of high school and I went to Repertory Company Theater Arts High School where I did Oedipus which was the first role where I got to actually play a lead character. I didn't play Oedipus, I played Creon, though. And my teacher, he was just, I felt like he saw right through me at, I suppose I was like 14, 15 years old. He saw right through me and saw that I had a lot of insecurities about my height at the time and in connection to playing a a king or, or that kind of a role. And so he would take time out of rehearsal to kind of give me some pointers and some tips and some things to work on throughout my day which mostly had to do with posture also making eye contact and talking to people directly and his one-on-one training with me just fundamentally changed my understanding of what I was capable of and what I would what I would be able to do and I think that was the moment where I was like I could actually do this for a living I could actually accomplish this as something that I don't know, sustains me. (laughs) Something that I love doing could make me money and, I don't know, make me feel happy. And at that time, that's just all that really mattered at the time.
0: Wow, that is an amazing story. It's an amazing background. So, yeah, so now let's just fast forward like all the way to you being in New York University. So, uh, Dante, while you were studying there, did you ever feel a need or a desire to like challenge the curriculum being taught to you? Uh, why or why not?
1: Mm, did I ever feel the need to challenge the curriculum being taught to me? I think not until my third year at NYU. And I'll say that because in high school, even though I enjoyed my own acting, I didn't feel like I was in a community of other people who wanted to be acting or performing in general. So I was really just yearning to be in a space with other artists who wanted to do and, like, wanted to learn. And so I wasn't really thinking too much about the systematic structure of acting when I got to NYU. I was very open. I was very willing to just take on whatever was given to me. And so I felt like I learned a lot in that way. And I think after my – so the way the NYU training works is for actors, they all get a, a base training, which can be one of, like, seven different studios. I started out at Atlantic Theater Company. And after two years, I decided that I wanted to focus more on my voice, focus more on getting into with my body. And so I switched to ETW, which stands for the Experimental Theater Wing. And while I was at ETW and really enjoying it, enjoying the my ensemble that I was working with, we had this um, community day, which is where, like, all the grades will perform and, like, show different showcase different abilities that they've been learning throughout the semester. And at the end of the day, there was this um, group who was doing a, a, who was learning a technique called Buffon, which, which is from France. And I didn't know any of this, like with, like, throughout the day. I didn't know what they were going to be showing us. We were just, like, being shown things. And so at the end, we have, like, these six actors, most of them are white, in makeup that looks very dirty. They're wearing, they have, like, a They've enlarged parts of their forearms, their biceps, their calves, and they kind of look like these monstrosities. And they do about like four to five little segments, which seem to be um, encapsulating the struggles that minorities go through. But they were doing it from the perspective of the oppressor, and so they were they were doing a lot of hate art. Pieces about people with disabilities, people in the LGBTQ plus community, people who are struggling um, mentally, people who are often discriminated against for being from Iraq or or Arab, and then at the end they were trying. They were. I, I was confused as to what was happening at the end, but it seemed like they were trying to be like personified disgust and so they started like taking this one one of the other acting members and they started like just cursing at him and they just started saying the n-word and they just started like blurting it out and like just cursing him out and i was just like i don't see what the point of this is and then at the end of their of their piece they turned to the audience and said see you in the affinity groups niggers and i was like um very taken aback, very confused. And because it's community day, the entire faculty and teachers are there as well. And we waited for them to say something. And our and our head teacher at the time said, all right, I know that that was very disturbing everybody, but let's just move on to the next thing. I was furious. I did not want to keep moving. I did not want to be in that room anymore, so I left. But I, couldn't, I also didn't know where to go, so I, I sat on the bench outside, and I just started weeping and crying, very overwhelmed and confused by a space which I had been feeling was very safe for me that semester. So it, it was a very overwhelming feeling. And the next thing, the next performance I was going after that performance was African dance. And so now I'm just like, this is ridiculous, this is stupid. But all the people in African dance... We're, we're all Black. And so I was like, they they kind of saw me crying outside and it come next to me and were saying that I should come back in and that this next thing might be a little more uplifting and that we're going to deal with what happened. But right now, it's not the exact moment to do it. So I went back inside, frustrated, and it was beautiful, the, the African dance and the group that happened. But I was just, I was just like, I just don't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to be in this space. And I think that was like for real for real my my first moment where i was questioning the curriculum and um yeah
0: that is insane just just the wave of just the wave of emotions that you had to have been feeling that that day just from such as just an overwhelming I must have just felt like the world's like harshest wind just blowing you back right there
1: it did and i i felt stupid i felt stupid for being here i felt stupid for not expecting it i felt stupid for for thinking that i could trust this space in the first place or that i was going to ever be able to trust a pwi at all and then like that same day i was trying to blow up some steam and i had taken my film camera because i shoot film as well and i was just going to go on a walk listen to some music and try to like I don't know, ground myself for a little bit so I could gather my thoughts and figure out what I wanted to do next. And my dad had called me, and he he wasn't really, like, he was, I don't know, he was kind of confused as to why I sounded sad and stuff like that. And so I, I wasn't really trying to explain it to him. I didn't really, really feel like I had the time, but he wanted to go into it. And so we started talking, but it then turned into, like, this big argument between me and him. And we had stopped talking for a little bit, and then the next Monday, uh, I, it was Friday that that show had happened. And the Monday, we they had canceled classes for us, and then brought us into, like all the students into one space, and just kind of left us there to talk, and then said like, y- y- if y'all want to have a conversation and speak it out, y- you can talk through it. I want us to be able to reach an understanding together, and I'm I'm. Every moment now I'm questioning everything that's happening because I'm like, I I don't feel like this is being held correctly. I don't feel like anyone there's no care care being taken here. And I don't see why the students should be handling this rather than the faculty who allowed this class to happen. But I'm in the space and I'm just hearing that from a lot of the people who performed in this piece that, oh, this piece is just a piece of art. It doesn't actually impact your lives in any way. And I'm coming from the space where it just directly impacted my life. And now I'm not talking to my dad because of this piece. And I'm like, I don't know, I was just angry. I was, I was frustrated. I was distraught.
0: My goodness. <laughs> so that actually makes me curious. Another question. You said that you, you know you have you have film camera. You just want to go for a walk, listen to music. What are some of the other ways where you've found it effective to just like release your stress and like frustrations? What have you found like your healthiest like forms of just emotional release? Mm-hmm.
1: If I have the space, uh, and by space I mean physical space, screaming is always really nice. I prefer a good rooftop, good rooftop screen. I think some people might have aversions to it, but it can be really releasing. And I think that we should, you know, allow ourselves to express ourselves in that way. I also enjoy journaling, kind of just sometimes free writing to see what comes up, but also intentional in terms of unpacking and talking about what it is that I'm feeling in the moment. I I personally like doing photography because, or specifically film photography, because I feel as though when I get to walk around and take these pictures and i have to wait to see them later when i see them later they tend to reflect the mood that i was in or who i am in that moment i get to kind of observe what i was interested in and for me that can be really cathartic especially with the intention of of shooting it in a time capsule format going out and saying like i'm feeling really sad right now let me go capture some images that directly relate to my sadness, and so I did this. I did this like a few months ago, uh, recently, and I, it was raining, and so I was taking pictures of like like raindrops on windows. I found like this one dead flower in a in a garden full of beautiful roses, it, just like things like that, which were sad but helped me express what it was that I was feeling. Because sometimes I don't, I don't always feel like words can can do it.
0: Yeah. It's amazing you uh, talked about that because leading into my other question. So, Dante, I, I have seen your photos and looking at that and your movies, the common themes that you've talked about and I've noticed too are like self-exposure and identity. You're not... You don't seem particularly afraid of... And clearly, you're not particularly afraid of revealing your emotions, vulnerabilities, or challenges. And neither do your characters as well. You know, so... Uh, um, that you portray, of course. So how do you see this self-revelation working for other artists as well?
1: And when you say self-revelation, you mean...
0: Like, just as I said, just like the exposure of showing, like, hey, here's my joy, here's my sadness, here's my rage, here's my just curiosity taking, just manifesting itself.
1: I think there's a sense of, well, what I can see happening for other artists is there's a sense of play and a sense of freedom and lack of self-judgment. And I'm definitely not speaking from some kind of expertise on this. Most of the things that I have figured out are definitely by trial and error for myself to see what's going to help me in this moment and kind of just exploring from there. I think once I start to get to like this finite construct of, what works and what doesn't, that's what seems to harm me. That's what seems to be harmful to me in terms of progressiveness. But I think that's that's part of creating art, acting in general, is allowing yourself to be fluid in your expression and see what comes up and continue to just play. Um, I think it's interesting that you say that I'm not shy or, or scared of showing myself or my identity or self-expression. Because sometimes... I. I feel like I'm struggling to articulate what it is that I'm feeling sometimes. And Hmm. so I think a lot of it is just being in the attempt to do so reads way more than being like, this is exactly what it is that I'm saying.
0: Wow, yeah. I see. All right, so... Struggling to articulate. Yeah. Well... When you when you are able to do it, I bet it must feel satisfying, doesn't it?
1: Oh yeah, it's so satisfying, especially finding the right word tip of your tongue. I mean like it kind of just makes me understand that words and explanations and communication is a bridge to understanding. but words and language are not understanding in themselves. been recently um using this platform called
0: Midjourney. Do you know that? Midjourney? Yeah, it's this AI platform
1: where you get to say different prompts to it and it will construct some art for you. And right now it's in the beta testing version and it's on Discord. And so they have like a lot of different chats, um uh, different categories. And one of the categories is philosophy. And I was in the philosophy section the other day and these two people were talking about the fact that the AI is constructing things that are artistic, but some of the prompts that they're being given, they're lacking in understanding. So they just started talking about like the fact that communication as a tool in general has only been a bridge to concepts. And so we get specific with these words, but these words were made up to begin with. And so as long as the AI lacks being able to imagine for itself, and understanding for itself, the words we give it are only going to be association-wise. It's not really going to be
0: understanding or, or interpretation. Hmm. Interesting. So, alright, moving on to our next questions. Uh, so, in, in the interview with you and your co-star, Eden Smith, you uh, for CU Yesterday, uh, she noted that You'd uh, you'd known each other literally your whole lives. So Mm -hmm. as you've watched people like her grow up as artists, how has this impacted your own pace and your own drive to learn and improve?
1: I think that it's reminded me that this entire career, creating art in general, is a process and one that can't be rushed And it takes time. Uh, The very first project that me and Edin worked on was C.E. yesterday together. But we've known each other since, like, I was literally there as a baby when she was born. And I've known her my entire life. And I know 18 years is not really that long anyway. But it's a long time to have never worked with your friend. And so that, in terms of, like, my own pursuits, my own form of, of improving, just reminding myself that it's okay to take my time. It's okay to take breaks when I need to, and it's okay to rest and to get back up and to take my time, especially just coming out of an educational institution for 22 years. You know, you need a break, you need a little bit of a breather, and you need to be able to take all the information in and see where you want to move from there. I, I think I had this idea previously that I was supposed to just kind of rush into everything, and that this project that I did right here is going to lead me to this next project and this next project and this next project. And it's just not as linear as that. And coming to accept that has been a really, really beautiful thing, which I definitely think stems from my from my friendship with edit in terms of understanding that things take time to bloom, to blossom.
0: Wow. Yeah, it really does... You know, it also just makes it all the more beautiful, just being able to just just that bond, and just seeing how they, just like that, how they how they blossom and how you blossom as well. It's just sort of, I don't really know how to describe it, honestly, but it's it's just like that. It's just it's just beautiful and just really something to look back on.
1: Yeah, and you really have to be present in the experience instead of trying to control where it's going to go because it's the control aspect that really throws all of us off
0: it's actually yeah yeah it's the control aspect and you know what that leads to my next question because (laughs) (laughs) you um um, you also you said that during your interview for CU yesterday you commented on your character's protest and trying to control the uncontrollable Mm. being time And you said yourself that, you know, you wouldn't really want to change it. You you see, like, there's a reason for everything, whether good or bad. So, you know, Dante, when going through everyday life, do you ever find the uncertainty of each day's outcome, like, attractive or exciting in any way?
1: Yes and no. It's definitely case-by-case basis based on (laughs) whatever my expectation for the day is. And I think that that's something I'm still trying to navigate in terms of having intention but being expectationless. Um, But in terms of the uncertainty of every day, that's where the fun is. I think that sometimes when I have a goal, like for example, I'm planning to move to Atlanta later this year. Hmm. And with that goal in mind, I think that there's sometimes pressure upon Knowing that time is ticking, am I doing the things that I need to do today to get there then? And I think I am. I believe I am. I think just sometimes it gets scary when you recognize that it's just things are moving. Things are moving. And sometimes, you know, you still got to make sure you're paying your rent and make sure that you're still paying to live now and presently and prepare for the future. And so that, that, that navigation sometimes can be a little scary and frightening. But at the same time is very exciting and I, and I think that those like fear and excitement exist in the same spectrum but it's just about w- in which way you decide to um, face so perspective I guess
0: yeah perspective definitely works uh, in this case so I don't know It's I guess for a lot of people some can be pessimists and say like oh this day's gonna suck other days people even when people are having a bad start today like maybe they missed their bus or yeah. maybe they just got broken up with they're still just optimists which i find absolutely incredible uh everybody really does just have such a diverse way of looking to the to the future even even in the short term yeah and yeah. yeah. I think it's just what makes people even more interesting. And I agree. Yeah, so just
1: making sure that we're like you know we're not trying to control people's ideas of how they can think or how they should think, and like leaving room for that to be okay.
0: Yeah, that definitely wouldn't make things a lot easier. So <laughs> now to the next question. So. It's going from see you yesterday to uh, your film uh, so a little Tenderness now while you were there was this scene where you were writing in your journal, and there was this just narration that stuck with me, so it went maybe it's better to be complacent to destroy any type of curiosity because the moment you start to ask questions it's the moment you start being crazy and <laughs> I see this like sort of reflected in your experience in NYU and that shocking performance and where you started to really question things but was that was that the closest you had come to just that sort of narration um, perspective or a narrative perspective or was there even a moment that made you feel like the closest to how your character Logan Kalai felt
1: mm. I think I've definitely felt that when the pandemic started I, I, I felt like complacency was going to be really helpful and it was days of complacency but then there were also days of optimism and so it was kind of going back and forth between you know it was like a very depressing time when it started I know I know that we're still in it but definitely the beginning and the quarantine was really hard, and um, I don't know. I, I had a very nihilistic point of view that, be, that like, because everything was connected, and there wasn't any, there wasn't any one thing that mattered more than another thing, except for like the amount of mattering that we gave it. And so, in that in that sense, I didn't have to give so much effort and care towards things because it didn't matter essentially. And that, that way I could be okay. I just think that that wasn't in my best power in my, in terms of the fact that because everything is everything, I'm the one who gets to control what my reality is. And so because everything is everything and I am in control of that, at least the things that matter to me do actually matter. In fact, I think everything matters and so I think that in terms of what Logan was saying that's when people start to think you're crazy I think that that stems from a belief that we we should be worrying about the perspective of others not really how we feel about ourselves
0: I see that's deep right there (laughs) hmm not just ourselves. So, but at times, you know, even with this pandemic, which hit a lot of us really hard, especially artists, you know, especially artists, because I was in a purchase college, um, during the pandemic and you just, I'll tell you this. Once you take the art away, like once you take like just the, the liveliness away from an art school just taking the, the people, the community away, it just... It leaves, like, the world's, like, most depressing setting. Mm. It just leaves you just... It just it just feels like... It just made the whole school feel like a hollow shell. And at times, I didn't want to be, you know, complacent with that. I wanted to be like, no, like, keep us in school. We, we are an art school. We don't live virtually. But... Mm ultimately it was that rage and frustration was just it felt so pointless it, it was almost like I wonder if I was even feeling it at all really And yeah that makes sense and now it's now we're just <sighs> looking back on it now things got better but it's still just you can't help but think about how it all went down. Yeah, I was still in
1: school the first year of the pandemic, and I couldn't do go into any acting classes in person, and so I elected to not do any acting my last year of college. I didn't do any training. I did only academic stuff via Zoom, but I did audition for some performances at the school and did some Zoom performances, and there was one in particular that I really loved, which was called Wheeling and Dealing, which was an immersive like circus performance where we got to speak to the audience and have them interact on zoom and kind of like investigate the question of how do, how can we still engage with one another in this medium, which is something that I really enjoy, but I felt like it was like a moment of sunlight in this very, very chaotic storm, which was just like, I didn't feel like getting out of bed I didn't feel like just going to my chair to turn on the computer to sit there for an hour and a half for some classes. I didn't feel like staying in my in my dorm for all day just to go lay back in bed. It, I was like, I was lacking community. I was lacking um, so much at the time, and it was really depressing. <sighs>
0: That's terrible. But after. Things got a little bit better, and the world started to open up again. That must have been like just a small little spark of hope for you, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely. I have this tattoo on my on the top of my right forearm. It is four routines of a circle with a tiny orb on one of the lines of the circle and it's just a reminder to me that everything that we do in our lives are things that we return to and so like for example you know like you're going to wake you know you're going to wake up or you know you're going to go back to sleep and you're going to return to it if you would like to do the nihilistic point of view you know like you know that this this form of your being has lived before and so it will and so it will die and it will live again and i guess that you can think about it as reincarnation but in the present moment as we live like We return to talking, we return to these thoughts, we return to these ways of being. And it's comforting because it doesn't matter how many times you return, you will never return the same. You'll return with more information. And I think sometimes that can keep me present in in, in the moment. And a lot of the times, that idea got me through my last year of college and out the door. Because I was just like, I am about to return to this city but without college return to New York without college or school within only in my rear view and what does that look like I don't know what it looks like and that's so interesting because I've been here before
0: but hey it's like but hey it's like Curtis Mayfield said you just move on up and that's what you're doing exactly all right so... Now right, let's move on. So looking at your uh, dream career, Dante, what are the, what are some of the other pros and cons of going down this path? What are some things that besides the ones we talked about that, you know, get you excited, but the others that you're like, I got to stay, got to stay aware of this.
1: Things I need to stay aware of are the balance between pursuing this acting career and also um, staying financially stable, and with that, making sure that I'm not focusing too much on just trying to make money and not the the life that I want to be living. I think that's a that's an everyday balance, and that that is the the balance of of an artist in general. Um, but I get really excited about this career in particular because it gives me the ability to choose all the time. It gives me the ability to grow all the time. I don't have to be doing the same thing ever and I can still be performing, I can still be creating. And I think to me, that's really exciting. And it also reminds me that even if I'm not performing or creating for a little bit amount of time, it doesn't mean that that's not who I am. It doesn't mean I'm not an artist anymore. It just means that for right now, this, in this moment, I'm working on this thing. And it still happens to be a part of my performing and acting specifically because sometimes, you know, when you're living your life, that's when you get to see how you are as a person. And being a person allows you to be a little more truthful in your work and in your craft. And I think that's important. Just finding a good balance is hard. And finding a good job.
0: <laughs> yes, Lord, please, a good job, because and one that could hopefully, you know, help us get a house because we need exactly. a place to, we need a roof to sleep under. Exactly. Yes.
1: And I think it's all in due time. Though I hate when people say that, I do believe that too. That is in due time, and it's about moving forward. It's not about being somewhere.
0: Yeah. I remember that. So, let's just, let's go down a little bit more. Uh, so, on acting, there's this... When it comes to acting, there's this quote by the legendary Daniel Day-Lewis. You absorb and nourish yourself. You feed yourself for whatever period of time. Your job, more or less, is to drain yourself of whatever it is you have to offer. In your role... In your roles, plural, which have left you the most drained in any way after? Like, which did you just, like, pull the most of your essence, your being into, and just felt, like, so drained after everything was said and done?
1: All of them. (laughs) But I think the one that comes to mind is So A Little Tenderness, and this project I just did a month and a half ago. Which was a shorter version of a play I'll be doing in September called "Blue yeah. Fire Burns the Hottest." Blue Fire Burns the Hottest, and it's where I was playing this boxer stuck in limbo with this other boxer, and we're just stuck doing our routines for three days. And there's just a lot of trauma and inner turmoil and unresolved parental issues and this whole, and this play that 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 spans 3 days is it's completely silent for the most part until the third day. And so I'm just kind of sitting in all of these emotions moving forward and I can't speak and I can't really verbalize any of it. And I think for for that reason when I was done it just felt so exhausting. Similarly for so little tenderness I've just felt like the mindset of Logan his, his flame inside had just been burnt out and he had kind of just lost all hope and was just thinking about this murder that he has committed. It, it was hard and it was hard to continue to, I don't know, be present with that pain and in that sadness while being there. I also feel like, for the most part, every project that I do somehow re- has some sort of reflection on where I'm at in my life. And I felt like Solo Tenderness was no different. I-, I think I was kind of still ruminating on things I was still healing from, things I was still working through, and I feel like that is very apparent when I watched the film back as well. It was just... I, I feel like that was the show that Told, that reminded me. I was like, after this, I want to do more projects where the character is a little bit more uplifted, more in a joyful, buoyant space, so that I get to tap into that some more. Because I love this craft, and when I'm working on the projects, I want to be able to enjoy myself. I don't believe that draining yourself has to necessarily be a bad thing. I think I think what Daniel was saying in terms of draining just meant expressing yourselves and giving what you have to give. It doesn't mean exhausting yourself.
0: And You certainly do. When it comes to your roles, you certainly do give what you have to give. You never, you never hold back, do you?
1: I appreciate that. <laughs> All
0: right. So, was there ever when looking at f- films, TV, plays, even heck, even like a YouTube series? Was there, mm. or even just looking at your personal life, the people around you and your and your network? Was there ever an actor that you wanted to surpass, and who was that actor?
1: Surpass? Do you mean like be better than?
0: Yeah, like just be like be able to like give like a like you wanted to like, give a better performance like you like felt like this need to be like, ooh, I gotta like top them in 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 this field like I gotta show that I'm like that I can ex- excel in like this acting like they're good but I want to be better. Mm. Um
1: I haven't really felt that any performers who i have thought weren't up to par with the part, I don't ever feel like I have wanted to replace them. I just feel like I was like, I just I wouldn't want to do this either. But in terms of actors who serve as role models to me, if I can kind of alter the question that way, or someone who I'm just like, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of emulate the kind of career they've had and the roles that they've gotten to take on. Someone who I would say is Jeffrey Wright. Ooh, that's a good um, one. Yeah, I, I really love Jeffrey Wright. Um, I, I think it's insane to me to think about Basquiat, his portrayal of Basquiat, and then to think about him in Westworld right now and just like how, how much he's changed, but the detail of his of his work ethic has stayed the same. And to me, that's very inspiring. And I would love to do any role he's ever done at any point in my career not to do it better but I just feel like I would love I would love mentorship from him but also to work with him to learn from him there's I just feel very connected to the way that he approaches his work
0: yeah and the last movie I saw with him in it was uh the Batman where he did surprisingly oh, yeah. he did an amazing job as Jim Gordon
1: yeah yeah he did he did
0: yeah uh, but I mean what can you expect he's Jeffrey freaking yeah. right yeah alright so now on to another question I have for you, Dante. As you as you study these roles and as you look into your scripts, how like how do you exactly do you just like how do you like to analyze your characters? How do you like to just like pick them apart and just like rearrange them in your own image? better you know, i'm gonna
1: give you all my secrets
0: hey listen man we are here to learn all about you and we're we're really excited to just be able to learn how you're able to do your craft because this is like yeah. this is a this is a big deal so for
1: i really like to read the script out loud the first time, I love to read it with the cast and crew if I can, and I think what's really helpful to me a lot of the times is being able to have an open dialogue with everybody about their different perspectives about what's going on and what they're seeing. I like to go world first and then get more specific to who my character is and how they exist and kind of move through that world. I find myself just like always asking questions about I don't know their arc and the, the questions that they have in the beginning that get answered kind of just through nonverbal expression later on, like something they might've been pondering or thinking about, how can I bring that back? Um, I also, I think sometimes always have a little bit of insecurity about whether or not the person that I am matches up or could even like be believable as whatever character I'm playing. I feel like I find myself feeling that way all the time not that i'm incapable of doing it but i'm just like damn like is this going to be believable coming from me kind of a thing and i kind of have to move past that and kind of just like start with my truth in terms of like further an analyzation i do think it sometimes differs case by case but i guess the basic would be kind of scene by scene what are these characters doing um what's the relationship between the characters how are they feeling what does my character want and what is their intention in this scene? What are they trying to get from the other person? And just trying to continue to go after that every single time in the room with somebody else and trying to go at it differently every single time and see what comes up in the moment. Working off the other person is really important to me because there can be no truth if I'm not reacting. And I think I'm always navigating moment work and being truthful and how I can honestly portray whatever it is that is coming to mind or whatever it is that is required for a character for Logan specifically there was a scene where we were um what was her name
0: um we, not we, Sh- Ch- was, no not Siobhan. uh Harmony
1: Harmony yes Harmony
0: oh uh, yeah that was um, the actress is that name um Romy uh Drama, oh yeah, I know Romeo
1: and, and Siobhan. I just forgot the character's name. Yeah, but Harmony, our mean Harmony scene. Um, when I had just finished coming from, from Siobhan's or Sage's place, I was supposed to be a little drunk, and then I was also supposed to have been smoking with with Harmony, and Ezekiel was like, "Do you wanna just?" have some cbd or drink a little and at first i was like let's just do without it and i will just kind of create some externals which are just like some physical attributions of characters who might be under the influence I said, i'll work with that first and we'll just see what happens and we did a couple of takes of that and then we had kind of like found something that was satisfying so really let's play around and so i did smoke a little bit before one of the scenes and i did feel really free during it and i felt like i didn't have to worry too much about how my body was moving as somebody who was just under the influence. I could just focus on me and Romy and what our connection was. I don't recommend that for everybody, and I would say that it is a case by case basis on comfortability and what's going to allow you to flourish in the best in the best scenario. I just happened to be in a really good mindset at the time.
0: I see. I see. <laughs> All right. So I got one more question for you. As you sort of just navigate you know the ups and down through the ups and downs and the highs and lows the weird zigzags that life sen- tends to take us all through what are some like ha- like good habits that you've uh, that you've been doing to maintain like you know your to maintain your let's say your mental health your physical health just your health period because we both know that maintaining like mental spiritual physical health is one of the most like that's just absolute that's essential to getting through life so what are some habits you've done to help sustain um health in those ways
1: tea i love tea i hate caffeine caffeine makes my eye twitch and twitching my eye twitching then just sends me down a rapid hole of whether or not I need to go to the hospital because my eye will twitch for two to three days straight
0: on oh, caffeine. Oh my goodness! So,
1: having tea before I go to bed in the morning has been really helpful in terms of relaxation. I couple that with meditation and stretching as often as I can every morning. Some mornings I can't just because I have to get out pretty early, but for the most part, I try to follow meditation.
0: Are like you? Had a meditation. Are you? A, are you a yoga person at all?
1: Yeah, I'm a yoga person.
0: Hmm. All right, cool. Because that's also one of the ways people like to exercise too because when i heard stretching i was like "Oh, okay this guy must be really into yoga too and everything
1: it was a big part of training when i was at school and so i just wanted to make it habitual for myself
0: i see i see
1: but i I think meditate like it's a very it's not like this is what works for everybody but i just find that my head space and my body is kind of all over the place when I don't do some kind of grounding in the morning before I head out or before I start my day, excuse me. So meditating, stretching, journaling, trying to do some of those things. First thing, when I wake up, help me keep my mind straight and kind of help me stay focused and present in the moment. And I think that's what I'm usually after is how can I stay present? How can I stay here and with what's going on?
0: Hmm. Wow. All right, maybe I, yeah. As someone who does also enjoy tea, but does not do enough stretching, I will try to pick up stretching more. Always uh. if you can start
1: with a two-minute rule day, a two-minute rule, which is what I found some months ago. Just do it for two minutes a day, and that's it. In terms of like building your own, um, like boosting your own ego about it, it's it doesn't it's not about how long you do it or how much you get done. It's just about doing it and getting in the routine and practice of it. And so even sometimes me, if I can't, I'll try to meditate on the train for two minutes if I'm on the way or rushing. I'll try to just ride on my phone, just kind of like have a free ride or something, just something to make sure I'm still maintaining this this sense of groundedness. So I offer that to you as a way to kind of just like allow yourself to begin.
0: All right. And I will consider it. And keep this note, folks, two-minute rule because – it's the small habits that get you ahead of others, or at least get you one step ahead. Just start, exactly. Start practicing small habits, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just like Dante and just like I plan to. All right. So, Dante, is there anything else you want to say to uh, to the audience, something you haven't uh, revealed yet?
1: Mm, I did mention that I was writing a screenplay earlier so that's something to look forward to I won't reveal too much about it but I will say that it has to do with this young kid who is suffering from amnesia and trying to find himself his way back to himself
0: well I can't wait to watch it when it becomes a movie can't wait to share it with the world Yeah. So, all right. All right, everybody. That's it for episode eight of The Upcoming. I want to give a huge thank you to our guest, uh, Dante. Thank you so much for doing this, Dante.
1: Thank you, Jonathan, for having me.
0: All right, folks. So, stay tuned next week for another awesome episode of The Upcoming. That is all for today. We'll be seeing y'all, and be sure to follow us and follow me and Dante. On Instagram, uh, Instagram, your Instagram is abstract—a uh, dot in between the C and the T, and Correct. and so yeah, be sure to follow the upcoming uh, with Jonathan Carr on Instagram and follow Jonathan Carr on LinkedIn for more t- on episodes. So also be sure to follow us on on Twitter too. And so that's it for the upcoming. See you next week at 7 p.m. That's Sunday. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, please be sure to follow us on Spotify for more amazing content. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody.